My name is Noel Miller, and uh, I'm the director of Student Life, which is our student ministries here at Life Church. And this past week, I had the amazing opportunity to take 16 of our students to Dublin, Ireland for a mission trip. I know, pray for me. I was suffering for Jesus. I'm telling you, it was absolutely gorgeous. I mean, we would wake up every day feeling like we were in a postcard. I mean, it was just like... How are we going to be able to describe this to the people back home? But it was absolutely amazing um, opportunity to partner with our students, uh, to share the love of Christ with the kids there in the inner city of Dublin. Um, we had a VBS all week, and we were able to see over 80 kids come through that VBS, and it was just absolutely wonderful, absolutely wonderful. And I had the opportunity to sit down with the, the pastor and his wife uh, during that week, and they began to tell me about the demographic and kind of the backstory of the children there that were coming through this VBS. And they began to tell me about how in that area it had been ravaged by drug addiction and heroin and cocaine and, and how the violence between the gangs was just horrific there and how the, the kids that were coming through had been affected by this, that many of them were daughters and sons and, and granddaughters and grandsons and brothers and sisters of people who had lost their life um, to drugs and this gang violence. And it begins to tell me that, yes, they had heard the name of Jesus, but many of them had never even heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. They had never heard that there was a God that died for them so that he could have a relationship with them and that he loved them. And those students, our students, got to get up and share the gospel of Jesus Christ, what was for the first time for many of these kids. And it was an honor to be able to be there and watch our students share the love of Christ with these kids. It truly was an incredible time. And I encourage you, if you've never been on a missions trip with World Life here at, at um, Life Church, I encourage you, come be a part. It is something um, that's almost indescribable when you can put a face on a number. You know, we oftentimes hear the numbers of, of how impoverished people are, of how broken people are, but when you can hear the story behind it, when you can put a face on a number and a story on a number, it will change your life, I guarantee it. So I encourage you, come be a part of one of those trips. Take a step in faith and join us. I promise that it will change your life. We're going to go ahead and get started today. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Corinthians 4. 2 Corinthians 4. If you don't have your Bibles, it'll be on the screen here for you to uh, read along with us. But 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6 says this, For God who said, Let there be light in the darkness has made this light shine in our hearts so we can know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. If you could just underline the part, the face of Jesus Christ. So we can know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, I just ask that your presence would be here with us today, God. I just ask that as we dig into your word, God, that you would give us a true revelation of who you are, Jesus. I pray that for everyone that walked into this room, myself included, God, that we would not walk out the same. That once we've encountered your presence, God, that we would be forever changed. And it's in your mighty name I pray. Amen. 
Okay, have you ever had this moment in your life where your expression on your face or your countenance has spoken for the emotions that you have going on inside of you when you haven't wanted it to? Uh, many people call this a poker face, and um, I get a little excited and a little passionate, and I haven't quite mastered the poker face yet. Um, I'm working on it, but I haven't quite gotten it yet. I remember this time in college. I was a senior in Bible college. And they asked me to come and sit in for a worship class that our freshmen had to do. Every freshman, no matter if you could sing or if you couldn't sing, had to put together a worship set and perform it in front of their classmates as well as like a panel of judges. So I said, sure. Um, I, Paula Abdul was pretty cool at the time, you know, and the American Idol um, thing. And so I was like, well, I'll be a Paula Abdul and just sit there and, and kind of take notes and enjoy this moment. I was like, I can't carry a tune in a bucket, but I'll, I'll sit there and enjoy this moment, you know? And so here I am, I'm sitting there and, um, the first girl gets up to, uh, to sing. And I have this American Idol flashback where my favorite part of the American Idol season is the very beginning where you kind of discover the talent. You get to feel like, you know, you were a part of their discovery. But then there's the part where the people sing that think they can sing, um, but God bless their soul, they can't. And um, you may be more self-righteous than me, but I take my DVR and I will rewind it and fast forward it, rewind it and fast forward and just have the time of my life laughing at those people, okay? Um, I'm sorry if that offends you, but I have a time laughing at those people. So this girl gets up and she begins to, um, I think what the Bible calls make a joyful noise because uh, it sure wasn't singing, you know what I mean? And uh, I, I can say that because I make a joyful noise, I do not sing. Um, but she begins to make this joyful noise before, uh, you know, God and everybody. And I'm sitting there and I'm trying my hardest to make sure that the countenance on my face is not saying what's going on inside of me because it is hysterical. And I'm sitting there and I'm trying to like pretend like I'm taking notes, you know, and I'm like trying to like focus because I know if I make eye contact with anybody, it's just over um, because you can feel the tension in the room of everybody like that's literally about to die laughing. And in that moment, I look up and I glimpse in the back of the choir room, because that's where we were, and and we had a, a closet full of choir robes, because our church was that cool, um, that we had choir robes, and in the back in that closet, I see our class clown, aka Kevin Miller, um, in the closet, making crazy faces at me, and I'm like, are you serious? I'm on the front row, trying not to, like, hurt this girl's feelings, and I lose it. I mean, like, my shoulders are shaking. I'm laughing so hard. There are tears coming down my eyes, and it is not because of the presence of Jesus. You know what I mean? And I am just, like, laughing hysterically. And I go to the girl after after the class is over, and I'm like, I am so sorry. And she's thinking, yeah, right, the countenance on your face is speaking something different than what's coming out your mouth. I mean, you know what I mean? Have you ever had a moment where your face or your countenance has gotten you in trouble? Or maybe it's the opposite for you. You know, me and my dad... We're like best friends. Um, we are like two peas in a pod. I love my father. We, I am a, da a daddy's girl, okay? So if you ever need to know what one is, right here, I'm a daddy's girl. And I love my dad. And I can count maybe on one hand the amount of times my dad has had to get onto me. Yes, because I was that perfect of a child. 
No. Um, but because he had this look. Now, maybe you're a, a parent and you've dished out this look. Or maybe you're uh, a child and you've received this look. But it's that one that pierces straight to your heart. His eyes would get big as saucers. And he would just look at me across a room. And it would just pierce. And by the time I got to him, yes, I stopped what I was doing. That was not right. But I was like weeping. I'm like, <laughs> and he didn't even have to say a word. The countenance on his face spoke a lot, a lot louder than any words could in that moment. And, you know, I've been at the opposite end of that as well. I played basketball um, all growing up. I played a lot of sports. And I could always find my dad in the crowd or in the audience. And his face was always that of, like, I'm so proud of you. And I could always find that face. And in that moment, again, that countenance of his face spoke way louder than any words could in that moment. You see, going back to that scripture, at the very end it says that the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ, in his face, in his countenance. You see, there is power in countenance. There is power in face. You see, I love social media. If you are on Twitter or Facebook, be my friend. Follow me, Noel Miller 3, because it'll make me feel good about myself. I love social media. But there is nothing that can replace face-to-face. There's nothing that can replace seeing someone's face and the countenance that's on it. There is power in countenance. One of my favorite authors is A.W. Tozer, and he says this, that the most important thing about you and about me is what we think about when we think about God. The most important thing about you and me is what we think about when we think about God. It's what we imagine God to be when we hear him mention it. It's imagining his face when we hear about him, it's imagining what we perceive God to be when we think about God. You see, it's like coming into a church service and, and hearing about the grace of God and hearing how his forgiveness covers a multitude of sins and how gracious God is and how loving and forgiving God is. But if you walk into the service with the perception that God is a condescending God, that he's a judgmental God, that he's an angry God, you'll never be able to hear the truth of the gospel because of what you have perceived his face to be. You see, the reality of the truth of the gospel is often trumped by what we perceive God's countenance to be towards us. There is power and countenance. It's like walking into a worship service and, and kind of doing the half raise. You know what I'm talking about? Like, the, I don't want anybody to see me. I see it a lot with students because they're like, I don't want anybody to worship. You know, I don't want anybody to see me worship kind of deal. And, and it's like, well, you can't give me the whole, you can't give me the hands all the way lifted. Or you pick up your Bible after not reading it for a couple weeks and, and you feel or you perceive God to say, you're going to read your Bible now? You haven't read it in four weeks. Are you going to go to church now? You haven't been there in four months. What are those people going to think? We perceive God to be this angry, judgmental, con condemning God because we have the wrong perception of his countenance. We have the wrong idea of what his face is. It's the whole, I know what you did last summer kind of moment with God. Like, I I'm going to judge you for what has happened when in reality, his countenance is that of love and grace and forgiveness. 
You see, there's revelation in understanding the countenance of God. Not only is there power, but there's revelation in understanding what God's face is towards you and towards me. You know, in the Old Testament, face is often a metaphor for judgment. So if God's face is towards the people, then it's all good in the hood. You know what I mean? And then if his face is against the people, then there's something in between them and God. The Bible says in Isaiah, Isaiah 49, 2, it's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he has turned away and will not listen anymore. Because of your sins, he has turned away and will not listen anymore. You see, God hates sin. He does not play with sin. He does not double date sin. He does not hang out with sin in the club on the weekend. God hates sin. God is not pleased with sin. Sin is what separates us from where we should be with God. It's what causes him to turn himself away from us. Sin. He hates it. He hates sin. The Bible says in Isaiah 54 verse 8, that in a burst of anger, I turn my face away from you for a little while. But with an everlasting love, I will have compassion on you. You see, but there's this everlasting love that I will have compassion on you. Yes, God hates sin. But when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, there is a permanent, everlasting love that God has for you and for me when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. It's like having a blurred vision of God without our faith in Christ. But the minute that we take that step towards him and that faith with him, the Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. But when we put our faith in him, he is eternally and permanently pleased with us. It's that blurred vision with God. I have horrible eyesight. And for a season in my life, um, it was not cool to wear glasses, and I couldn't figure out how to put a contact in my eye yet. And so I went a season without anything. And um, I was young, so I could, I know I'm still young, um, but I was younger. Let me just put it that way. And um, I was having, you know, a hard time seeing, but I could manage. I would squint really bad. Um, but I can manage, okay? And then I started getting really paranoid that I was going to get those things on the side of your eyes, like prematurely, and I got really scared. And so I thought, well, I probably should go ahead and get some glasses and some contacts and grow up, be a mature adult, and handle this issue, okay? So I did. And I can remember the first time walking in Target after I had put my contacts in at the store and walked in there. And I always had seen the the red, like the red things hanging above the departments. And I had assumed that those were department labels. Um, but when I walked in with my contacts, it was like Jesus has healed my eyes and I could see. I no longer needed to ask where the bathroom was because I could see where the bathroom was. I, need, I no longer needed to ask where the women's department was because I could find it. Like it was this amazing moment in my life. I knew how to get places because I could read street signs and people didn't think I was crazy. Like it was an amazing moment. And that's what happens when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. You see, the glory of God is revealed and is seen through the face of Jesus Christ. So when we put our faith in him, it brings a clear understanding of the glory of God. It's when we have the right perception of who Jesus is that we can have a clear understanding of the glory of God.
It brings revelation to our life. It brings understanding to our life. You see, it also, not only does it have power and it brings revelation, but it also there's freedom in knowing the countenance of God. There's freedom in knowing what his face is towards us. You see, as Christians, we, we have a, a good time and an easy time understanding acceptance. We know that, that God accepts us just the way we are and that no perfect people allow because the Lord accepts us. And those things are all good and very true, that God does accept us. But as Christians, we have a hard time understanding that he not only accepts us, but he approves of us. You see, I don't know if you're like me, and I hope every family has one, um, but there's people in our families that we accept, but we do not approve of. And if you don't have one, um, blessings on you, right? You are blessed and highly favored. Um, But we have people in our lives that we accept, but we do not approve of. And God says, I accept you and I approve of you. I permanently and eternally accept and approve of you. It's like, how many of you in here would raise your hand and say, I know that Jesus loves me? Come on, Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. Everybody in here believes that I'm done. Y'all have a good night. No, I'm just kidding. We all know that Jesus loves us. And if it's true today, then it'll be true tomorrow when you wake up that Jesus loves you. And it'll be true five days from now. It'll be true 10 years from now. It'll be true a hundred years from now if the Lord tarries. It is true that Jesus loves you. But sometimes as Christ followers, we tend to have these conversations with God that would go something similar to this. Hey, God, what's up? Because me and God kind of talk ghetto to each other. Um, hey, how you doing? And he's like, what? What do you want? What do you want, Noel? What's going on? Just, I'm like. Is everything okay? Is it all good up there? I mean, did I do something wrong? No, you didn't do anything wrong, but when you turn 57, you are going to make the worst mistake of your life. I'm going to warn you, but the sin that you choose to do, oh, I'm just frustrated with you today. I'm 25. I'm not not there yet. I'll try. I'll try to get over it. I'll try to avoid it. I'll try to listen. Don't be mad at me today. Well, I'm mad. You're going to do it. I know you're going to do it because I'm all knowing and I'm just mad and I I don't want to talk to you. No, that would be crazy if God were to talk to us that way. Because you see, God is permanently and eternally accepts you and approves of you. There is nothing that you can do that's going to separate you. Yes, we can choose to walk away from it, but God's love for you and his countenance for you is good and that of forgiveness. You see, there is freedom in knowing what the countenance of God is. There's freedom in knowing that the glory of God, the glory of the creator of the universe, the essence of the God that we serve is revealed in the face of Jesus. And when we can understand that his face for us is that of acceptance and of of approval, that we can look in the stands and see a God that is proud of who you are. We can know the glory of God. You see, there's a a scripture in Exodus, in Exodus 33, we find, we find Moses and and he's having a conversation with God and and he's saying to God, God, show me your glory. God, show me your glory. 
and, and God says to Moses, well, I'm going to hide you in a rock and I'm going to walk by. And when I tap you on the shoulder, you can see the backside. You can see a glimpse of the backside of my glory. And so Moses goes, he hides in the rock and Jesus and, and God walks by and taps him on the shoulder. And Moses sees a glimpse of the backside of God. The Bible says in Exodus 33 that God says, but my face you shall not see. But my face you shall not see. We fast forward a a thousand years later in in the book of Mark. We find Jesus is on the scene. He's full in his ministry. He's got his swagger going. He is on the way to raise a girl from the dead. He's on the way to raise Jairus' daughter from the dead. And as he's on the way there, a few steps back in that same crowd is a woman who has the issue of blood and she's been suffering for 12 years. And she's inching her way through the crowd. She's making her way through the crowd knowing that if she's discovered that she could be stoned to death because she's ceremonially unclean. But she makes her way through the the crowd Believing that if she can but just touch the backside of the hem of his garment, that her issues would be healed. If she could but just touch the hem of his garment. So she pushes through the crowd. She touches the hem of his garment, the bottom, the bottom backside of his garment. She touches it. And in that moment, she's healed. In that moment, all of her issues, all of her problems are healed. And you see, the story could stop there. It could be done. She was healed. She experienced God. But what happens next is what I believe is a powerful part of Scripture. The Bible says that Jesus was walking and he stopped what he was doing. And he turns around searching for the person who touched him. You see, we need to tell a lost and dying world that that Jesus is searching not to condemn, not to judge, but he's searching to love and to save and to restore and to help. You see, Jesus begins searching through the crowd to find the person that touched him. And here she comes, the Bible says, trembling. Can you just imagine she's trembling at what's just happened to her? trembling at the fact that she suffered for 12 years and in a moment with God, it all goes away. She's trembling at the fact that she knows she's ceremonially unclean, that she knows she doesn't deserve the moment that she's had. And here comes Jesus searching for her and she's trembling. You see, many of us come into the presence of God and we're trembling Because we're like, God, you don't know the sin that I have buried. You don't know the anger that I walked in here with. You don't know the struggles that I'm facing, the temptations that I fall to. And we come before God trembling because we think we don't deserve it. Because we think that we don't serve a God that sent his son for us. And here she is trembling before him. And Jesus reaches out shows her his face and says, go, your suffering is over. 
your suffering is over. He shows her the countenance of his face and says, go, your suffering is over. You see, I believe that God did not send his son to be sacrificed, send his son to be broken, bruised, crushed, sacrificed for us so that we could see the bottom backside of the glory of God, but that we could see and look full into his wonderful face and that he could tell us, go, your suffering is over. You see, when we have a clear understanding of what the countenance of the God that we serve is, it changes our life. It changes everything about us. Because we serve a God whose countenance is good, whose countenance is that of grace and of love that died so that we could look full into his wonderful face that we could look full into his face. You see, it goes on to say in, in that verse, in 2 Corinthians, verse 7, it goes on to say that we have this light in jars of clay in us. You see, when we have a full understanding of the countenance of God, then we can shine that light to others. When we know what it's like to be forgiven, we can forgive others. When we understand that we serve a gracious God, we can be gracious to others. When we understand that the face of God is not judgmental, it is not hateful, it is not condemning, but it's of love and peace and joy, then we can be that to a lost and dying world. But we first have to understand the countenance of our God and that his glory is revealed through the face of Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask everyone in here to bow your head and, and to close your eyes for a moment. If you would say, Noel, I hear you talking about this God that sent his son and I, and I don't even know him. I don't even have this relationship with him and you would like to make that commitment today and you would like to say that today if that's you i'm just going to ask you to be bold bold and brave and just slip a hand up if that's you all over this place and you want a relationship with jesus christ i just simply ask you to raise your hand maybe it's your first time or the first time in a long time or maybe there's some of us in this room that it's been a long time since we felt forgiven. It's been a long time since we've looked full in the wonderful face of our God and felt completely forgiven and understood that we serve a gracious, kind, loving God that no matter what we've gone through, no matter how your mistakes look, that we can come before him trembling and look full in his face and feel 100% forgiven. So let's take a moment, and I would just encourage you to do that right now. I encourage you to take a moment in this moment before you walk out those double doors and life hits you again, before you walk out there and the things that you checked at the door come flooding back into your life. The issues that you face come flooding back into your life. I encourage you to take a moment 
and turn your attention and your affections and your face towards a God who is loving and caring and feel 100% forgiven. So God, God, I thank you that you would send your son to be broken for us so that we could understand your countenance, God. So that we could take time and look full in your wonderful face, God. And that the things of this world would go strangely dim, God. God, I thank you that you forgive us. I thank you that your face towards us is loving and caring, God. Jesus, I pray that as we look in your face, that the glory of God would be made real in our lives. God, that your grace and forgiveness and love would be made real in our lives so that we could show a lost and dying world that you are searching for them and that there is a God to find forgiveness in. Jesus, I pray that you would permanently change the picture of who you are in our minds. No matter what we faced, I pray this in your mighty name. Amen.